Hello, 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 my spiritpreneurs, and welcome to Spiritpreneur School, where conscious entrepreneurs connect. We are in for a juicy and inspired conversation today. I am your Spiritpreneur School headmistress, Aviola Abrams, from sacredbombshell.com. Today, we are taking self-love to self-launch. Spiritpreneur School is an empowerment podcast for conscious entrepreneurs created by me just for you. A spiritpreneur is a spirited business person and who is heart-centered and answering his or her life's calling. Our guests range from CFOs to professional creatives. These mostly women are brilliant thinkers who've overcome challenges to live out loud, and they are interested in helping you to do the same. So if you want to know how to answer your calling, live on purpose, stop playing small and step into your greatness, then my darling, you are in the exact right place. Today's Spiritpreneur guest, and your professor on this journey, I am so thrilled about this conversation, is Lorna Sophia Levy. Let me tell you a little bit about her today. We are speaking with an actual girl genius. She has a graduate degree in MBA from the prestigious Wharton School of Business. She is a member of Mensa, and she worked for over 20 years as a consultant to Fortune 100 businesses. Now, this is not what's most exciting to us about this Philly girl. What's most thrilling is that she is a practitioner and a teacher of the law of attraction. And she has a law of attraction course called Where's My Stuff, which is most, what most people tend to ask. And we're going to just have a juicy conversation. So, Lorna, welcome to Spiritpreneur School. Well, hi, Aviola. I'm so glad to be here. That was an amazing introduction. Um, it's, it's true, but it's never been said quite that way, so it really made me feel good. And I'm just really happy to be here and really excited to talk with you today. Yay! I'm excited to talk to you as well. Your photo just has this, like, beautiful energy that just radiates and I can feel it, and so I'm thrilled about this. So on my first question to you, Lorna, and I'm going to ask you to please either uncover your phone a little bit or speak directly into it so that we can hear you a bit more clearly, is tell us the woman behind that bio. Who is Lorna Sophia Levy, and what made you interested in this line of work? You know, a lot of people ask me that. Um, I'm not sure. A little louder, Lorna. I'm sorry to interrupt. A little louder. It's still a little bit hard to hear you there. Okay. I'm talking directly into my mic. Is this any better? Um, yes, a lot better. Okay. I'm holding it right up in front of my face. Um I, you know, when you're into something, you just think that's the way everybody thinks. And so it's kind of hard to look back and see how I got into this. But as as a child, I used to read a lot. And my idea of a good time was going to the library and coming home with all the books that I could carry. And when I would go to the library, after I read all the books in the children's section, I remember I had to get a special letter giving me permission to go into the adult section and read, you know, the hardcover books without pictures. This was when I was around 10 years old, somewhere between 8 and 10 years old. I had to bring a letter from my grandmother giving me permission to go over into the adult section of the library. And when I went over there, I found books on human potential. I found books on ESP and reincarnation and all kinds of spirituality, and it just, I felt like a whole new world had been opened to me, a world that, that no one had told me existed, just a world of possibility and potentiality. So I started reading those books, and as I read I started seeing this idea that we create our own reality. And it just fascinated me that everything in our life 
is something that responds to us. It's not being done to us or for us, but it's all emanating out of our consciousness. That was the most fascinating idea I had ever encountered, and I think it still is. So I just kept reading and reading, and as I got older, I started going to workshops and uh, taking classes and finding these teachers, and I just kept digging down deep in it until I really understood how it works and why it works and how to make it work consistently. Because if it doesn't work consistently, it's like, why bother, right? <laughs> so, so I just... I'm, you know, I got hooked, um, and I just followed the trail, and it's been an obsession with me, um, I guess is one way to put it. It's, it's just something I just really want to know and master. And at this point, I think I finally got it. Yay! We have so much in common. What a, what a, a telling story. I love that you have been studying the law of attraction for over, you know, 30 years that the way that I describe it to people is that, you know, it's it's working whether you think it works or whether you're aware of it or not. Like ox, like oxygen or gravity, you don't have to, you can be like, well, I don't believe in gravity, but it's still, <laughs> it's still That's working. That's exactly true. Yeah. I tell everybody that too. That's why it's called a law. Yeah. Yes. yes. So for the uninitiated, Lauren, if someone's listening, and, and most people's introduction to the, law, to the law of attraction is a secret, how do you define, if someone says, well, what is the law of attraction? Law of attraction says we create reality by our thoughts. We create our reality, everything in it, every experience we have, every person we encounter by our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, expectations, attitudes, emotions, uh, all those things go into putting out a vibration, and that vibration is answered by someone or some event that matches that vibration. So that's law of attraction. Excellent, excellent. And your course that you have coming up is appropriately called Where's My Stuff? Because we witnessed a lot of people, they watched The Secret, they got all excited, they, they you know, thought, you know, okay, well, I'll just think about it, and then there it will be, and then they felt like, well, what happened? Where's my stuff? So can you please break down for us, you know, how the law of attraction works? You know, because, okay, if someone says, well, you know, I've thought about it and, and, you know, where's my Porsche or whatever it is, you know, that they were thinking about, the trouble that people were having. You know, can you get a little bit more into the quantum science and the ancient wisdom of the law of attraction and why it hasn't been working for people? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but you've asked a lot of questions. There are about five questions in there. Um, first, I want to say, the Secret was a wonderful movie, but The Secret is an introduction, and people need to get that. The Secret did not tell you everything you need to know or understand about Law of Attraction, so don't think you can watch the movie, even if you watch the movie five or six or ten or twelve times. Don't think you can watch the movie and know everything you need to know about Law of Attraction. The second thing I want to say um you know how people like to say, you know, they sort of brush things off and they say, well, it's not brain surgery or it's not rocket science. And I want to say to you or, or to your listeners, not to you, Abiola, because I know you actually get it, but I want to say to your listeners, consider that maybe it is brain surgery. This is a new science. It's a quantum science, as you mentioned. And the thing about quantum science or quantum sciences, we as a culture, um, as a world, are still getting a handle on what the quantum world is, what it does, what it means to us in physicality. There are a lot of scientists, uh, reputable, credentialed scientists, who don't believe the quantum world is actually showing us the things that it shows us. 
there are a lot of doubters because the quantum world is it's a little bit counterintuitive. It's it's not the science that we were taught in grade school. It's not Isaac Newton that said, you know, if you push something this hard, it'll roll this far. Quantum science says everything is entangled all the time. Quantum science says nothing exists until we observe it. Now think about that for a minute. That's deep. Nothing exists. Nothing exists. Nothing's there until you look at it. Reality is blinking in and out of existence uh, very, very quickly, and each time it blinks back into existence, it is a reflection of our expectation, what we're thinking is going to be there, what we're hoping is going to be there. That's what reality shows us. And this has been proven in science. Um, there was an experiment done called the double slit experiment. I think it was first done in 1908. But since then, it's been done many times, and the result is the same. And the result has scientists confounded. They're like, what does this mean? But what it shows, the double slit experiment, it's called that because they took um, a beam of light and they they beamed it photon by photon. So those are little particles of light. They beamed these photons one by one through either one slit or two slits or either or. You know, sometimes they did one, sometimes they did the other, sometimes they did both. And they were looking for the pattern that the light made on a screen behind these two slits. And what they found was that whatever they were looking for, that's what these particles of light did. So if they said, well, we're going to beam it through one slit and we want to see that it only went through one, then that's what would show up. But if they said, we're going to test to see if it's a wave or a particle, whatever they were expecting, that's what showed up, even if they didn't decide what they were testing for until after the experiment was done. So that may be a little confusing. It's hard to explain briefly, and it's hard to explain all the implications of this. But what that says is that subatomic particles, which are what we're made of, it's what all of matter is made of, these particles respond to our thoughts. They respond to our expectations. And that's nothing short of mind-blowing. But this is what science has been showing us since 1908. So a lot of people say, well, clearly there's an objective world out there. And clearly, for instance, I'm looking out my window now. I can see trees and I see birds and I see the trees moving. And, you know, I'm pretty sure those trees are there whether I'm looking at them or not. But quantum science tells us that those trees aren't necessarily there. They're there for me, the types of trees that I see, because that's what I expect. But my neighbor may be looking out his window right next door and see an entirely different set of trees, because that's what he expects. And there's no real way to know if, if he's seeing the exact same thing I'm seeing. And we both agree on a sort of unconscious, subconscious level. Those terms are murky because the way we define them is not the quantum meaning of them. But we both agree that there are trees out there, but there's no way to know if we're both seeing the same trees. So it's really interesting. It's really powerful. And I like to tell people, you know, maybe it is rocket science because you really have to dig down deep to understand how it works and to get a handle on it. Now, yes. I think you asked, yeah, I think you said, so why isn't it working for most people? Well, most people, you know, they saw the secret and they said, well, I'm going to think about uh, having a Ferrari in my driveway and I'm going to think about it for five minutes and then I'm going to run around and say, well, where is it? <laughs> You know, I, I tried. I meditated, usually for 10 minutes, 
once or twice. Um, I thought about it maybe for three whole days in a row, and I don't have it. Where is it? Well, this this whole thing about observation and expectation, we have to look deeply into ourselves to see what we really believe and observe and and expect. So if I'm looking for a Ferrari to show up in my driveway, um, let me sort of give maybe a, a personal example. So I'm a black woman. I live in Philadelphia. There are not a lot of Ferraris on my block. I might say, you know, it's really unlikely that I could have a Ferrari. It, it just doesn't fit in with who I am. It doesn't fit in with where I live. I don't know anybody else like me who has a Ferrari. You see what I mean? So right there, there's a lot of doubt. Um, there's, uh, I'm limiting my ability to expect it by saying it doesn't happen around here. If I start to consider how expensive a Ferrari is, I might look at my bank account and say, well, there's no way I could pay for that. I couldn't even afford the insurance on that. I couldn't even buy a tire for a Ferrari. So then I'm imposing even more limitations on it and saying I can't have a Ferrari because I can't afford a Ferrari. And the the expectations that we put out are based on our beliefs. If I could turn that around and say, you know, I think I should have the first Ferrari in West Philly. I think I should have one on my block. I can believe it. I deserve it. I'm worthy of it. I think it would look really good, and I don't care that I can't afford it. Maybe I'll just go to the Ferrari dealer and I'll look at one, and maybe while I'm there they might have some sort of contest and I could fill out a little postcard and I could put it in the box and maybe they'll pull it out and I'll win the Ferrari and that way I don't have to pay for it. And maybe it'll come with insurance um, and maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there yes. are all kinds of ways that I could have the Ferrari come to me without me having to work for it and earn it and pay for it. And it's really just a matter of can I believe that I could have one? And if I can believe it thoroughly enough, somehow that Ferrari will come to me. So you understand how that works and how our beliefs sort of keep things away from us? Yes, I love that you broke down uh, the power of belief because a lot of people, like you said, that they may watch something and they feel like, okay, well, you know, I watched that and I tried that and I, you know, said those affirmations and said whatever, but they haven't put their true intention behind it because they haven't put their belief or the power of their feelings. They haven't, you know, put themselves into true alignment with the what it is that they want can you talk about share how people can how else they can come into alignment or and raise their vibration so that they're vibrating at the same level of their stuff <laughs> the things that they are wanting yeah yeah that's you know that's really the answer to where's my stuff in in my course i talk about how to ask who to ask when to ask and and what's really important is when not to ask and sort of what to do if your stuff isn't coming and what to do if it looks like somebody else is getting your stuff. And, you know, your stuff could be, it could be the Ferrari, it could be the big house in the country, it could be a better job, it could be the lover or the partner that you want, it could be anything that you want. That's why I, I said stuff. You know, it can just be anything. It could be living your dream, living your dream career, People want all kinds of things, and it's okay to want all kinds of things. But the, the most important thing, and I, I hate to say this, it's because I always tell people it's not just one thing that makes law of attraction actually work, but I do think the most important thing is that you feel yourself having the thing you want already. So you don't feel yourself getting that thing. You don't feel um, 
the the worry or the anticipation of it, you feel yourself settled into uh, and sort of embodying the the ownership or the relationship with that thing that you want. You know, so like if you want the perfect relationship, a good way to make it happen is to imagine, say, that you've been in this perfect relationship for six months or a year and your partner's birthday is coming up. What would you get your partner? And you start thinking about what you might do for his or her birthday, how you might celebrate it, how happy and surprised they might be. So the key is to actually feel the feelings as if you have it already. And that's where observation comes in, where uh, that I just talked about a minute ago. And it's not just, it's not observation like looking with your eyes like we think about, but it's observation in the sense of living it. And when you're living in your uh, dream or your imagination of this perfect partner and this wonderful birthday that you're going to give your lover, when you're living in that space, in your mind, in your head, with your eyes closed, the universe will give that to you because that is what you're observing as your reality. You're observing yourself as a person in a loving relationship. And when you imagine yourself in a, a feeling or an emotion, your whole biochemistry changes. Um, your hormones change your neurotransmitters change, your physicality changes. It also changes your vibration. And then that person has to come to you. They're drawn to you. They're, like, magnetized to you. So you uh, use the word alignment, Abiola. And that's a word, you know, I almost try not to use it too often because it's a word that has so many meanings. And the meanings kind of go so deep and can be so intricate that it's hard to explain. But one of the meanings of alignment is you have to be a person worthy of and deserving and expecting and living in your dream to make it happen. So, you know, if I'm dreaming about this wonderful partner and I say, I'm too old and I'm too fat and nobody's going to want me, you know, even if I would give them a wonderful, you know, birthday celebration, you know, but I can't believe anybody's really going to want me, then I'm not really, I'm not in alignment because I'm not believing in the possibility of it. But if I can convince myself, I have the most wonderful partner, he adores me, he has eyes only for me. He's um, everything I want. You know, he's handsome, he's accomplished, or whatever it is that I might want. And he only has eyes for me. He adores me, and I just feel like I'm the luckiest woman in the world. If I can get into that space, that's what I will create. It's really magic. It's It's amazing, and it really works. I have to tell you, it really works. But the thing is, you have to look at your beliefs. You have to look at that little voice in your head that chatters and says, who do you think you're fooling? And, you know, you haven't had a good relationship yet. Why do you think you're going to have one now? Um, you know, none of your girlfriends have relationships or, you know, all men are idiots or whatever that little voice in the back of your head is saying. you got to recognize it first because this little voice sometimes goes on and on and on so constantly and so insidiously that we just stop paying attention to it. But it's still there. So we have to hear it, and then we have to say, like if this little voice said, all men are idiots, then we have to say, well, wait a minute. I do know some men that I really respect, and I know some men that I really like, and I think they're really fine, upstanding um people of integrity. Okay, so Lorna, let's talk about tools and processes. Is, are there any actionable steps that someone who is listening to this 
can put into action right now? Sure. Here's here's what you do. Um, get out a pencil and piece of paper, a pen and, and paper, but you don't really want to do this on the computer. So you might find a little notebook to, to do this in. But there's something about when you're writing and uh, reflecting or daydreaming, there's a deeper connection with your feelings than when you're typing on a keyboard. So that's why you want to write it. You want to make a list of the things in your life that are going on that you don't like. Like it may be um, that you're all alone. It may be that you don't have a good relationship with your children. Uh, your team doesn't talk to you. It might be something like that. Your boss doesn't respect you. Make a list of maybe uh, ten things, maybe more, of things that are going on in your life that you don't like, that you want to change. And when you get those all listed out, then go back and look at them one by one and ask yourself, what do I want to experience in this situation? So if it's a situation where your teenage son or daughter doesn't talk to you much, you might want to experience, I'd like for my son to come in and tell me how his day was. I'd like for him to talk to me like I'm a friend instead of an enemy. I'd like an easy, comfortable relationship with my child. Um, so you might say something like that. If your boss doesn't respect you, you might say, I'd like recognition when I do a good job at work. So that way you have a list of the things you want. And the things you want, of course, you want to you wanna write them in a positive way. You want to write um, an emotion into it. And then you want to come back and look at those things one by one and imagine that they're happening now. So how does it feel when your son comes in after um, coming home from high school and he says, oh, Mom, I've got to tell you, you know, I just joined this club. I feel so good about it. I'm really interested in the topic or whatever he's sharing with you, but you're having a real conversation instead of him coming in and slamming the door and going to his room like he usually does. So you're having a real conversation and you're feeling that closeness and you're feeling that experience of it. Or you imagine your boss saying, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you did with that uh, task that I gave you last week. I, it, it really worked out fine. Feel yourself um, just smiling and being satisfied and feeling happy and just the good feelings that come with that. So that's a process that you can do that will be unique to you it's not something you can do by rote or by habit. You have to really sort of get in it and think about it. So to go over it again, you make a list of things going on in your life that you don't want or that you don't like. You, on the next column or maybe the next page, you make a list of next to each one of those things, the experience that you want to be having in that situation. And then you take some time, maybe three minutes um, for each one, and you you don't have to do them all at once, and you can do them any time of the day. You can do it in the car. You can do it in the bathroom because sometimes that's the only place you can get a little private time. But just take two to three minutes. Imagine yourself in the situation experiencing it the way you want it to be, and then just let it go. And do it as often as you think of it, but don't make it a task or a chore that you have to do. But just whenever it bubbles up in consciousness, you say, yeah, I'm going to imagine that my boss is really pleased with my work and that I feel really good about being there. And you just do it. And I swear, in a week or less, a few days, these things will start to change and you will notice. I promise. 
This is, these are great, that's a great exercise. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I just also want to point out to our listeners that visit Lorna on Amazon and she has a slew of books on the law of attraction and you can also be able to work with her directly if you want to go deeper in your law of attraction practice. Now, Lorna, you touched on, with, in the example that you gave, I think that it was really wonderful because you touched on a question that comes up often when people are discussing the law of attraction. People often want to feel like that they want to manipulate other people. And then what they must realize, as you just shared so generously, is that it's not that you're going to make anyone else do anything with the law of attraction, but it's that your energy will change and then that, you know, changes the, the, the way that other people interact with you and changes everything in your life. Can you speak to that? Speak about that? Using the law sure. of when it comes to you know, other people? Um, yeah, I called, you know, my, my course is called Where's My Stuff? Because I think that's the, the first question that everybody asks me. But the second question, I swear, the second question everybody asks me is, how can I fix my boyfriend? How can I fix my kid? How can I make my kid do this or do that? And it's exactly as you said. You can't, I, you know, let me let me back up a bit. Everybody has free will. Everybody is attracting according to their own consciousness, their own observations, their own choices. You cannot infringe on other people's free will. So then people will say to me, yeah, but I want my kid to go to the best medical school. You know, the kid really wants to be an artist maybe, but I want my kid to go to medical school. How can I make that happen? And I have to say to people, you cannot make that happen. But what you can do is, like in like in the process, I just – uh, mentioned. So if I'm a parent of a child that's uh, choosing a career, you know, maybe they're a senior in high school trying to figure out what, what they want to do. The experience that I want to have as a parent is I want to be proud of my son or daughter. I want to be proud of the choices they make. Perhaps I want to see myself bragging to my friends about how wonderful my kid is. So that's the experience that I want. It doesn't really matter if he gets to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a chef in a head restaurant or whatever. I want the experience of being proud of my child. So if I was doing the process I just gave you, then I would step into perhaps seeing my son or daughter graduating from college, seeing uh, myself telling my friends, uh, yeah, he graduated with honors, and I'm so happy and so proud of him. Without specifying he's going to be a doctor or he's going to be a lawyer or a whatever, I'm just seeing myself as feeling really good about it, whatever. So he may, uh, this would-be doctor that I'm trying to force into doing that, he may decide he wants to join the Peace Corps and go teach poor children in some faraway place. I can still be very proud of that. It's not what I would have chosen, but I have let him have his free will to be and do what he wants, and I'm still feeling very good about it. So I would just do that process and feel very good about um, being in a situation where I'm just really proud of my child and the choices that child has made. I have to tell you a situation that happened with one of my clients. She came into one of our meetings uh, just grinning, and she said to me, I have a new husband. <laughs> and I knew she didn't have a new husband because I had just seen her two weeks ago, and she wasn't divorcing or anything. She wasn't in the process of anything. But she said, I have a new husband. She said, I started doing what you told me. I started appreciating him and seeing him as being the man I married. And now I have a completely new husband. He's completely changed. And that's the way that works. She changed her expectations and her feelings about him 
And he changed accordingly to become the person that she was expecting and observing. Very powerful, very powerful, and I think that that'll be very helpful because, as you said, the second question that people usually ask is, well, how can I, you know, fix this other person in my life? Now, the most famous tool uh, that people use for the law of attraction is a vision board or dream dream board or a treasure map. It has many different names. Is this a tool that you recommend, and if so, how do you, (laughs) what's your spin on it or take on it? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting here in front of my computer. I have two vision boards that have been there for, I'm trying to think what year. I think I put it up in 2008. Nothing on that vision board has happened. Uh, They don't work for me. And I think what I would say to your listeners is not everything works for everybody. And that doesn't mean law of attraction doesn't work. I think I look at my vision board and I don't connect emotionally to it. It's things that I want, but it just doesn't, I don't know. I can't explain why it doesn't work. Um, What works for me is imagining the feelings, imagining myself in that situation. That really works. Affirmations work if you can really feel them. So if I'm saying, I have a Ferrari, I have a Ferrari, I have a Ferrari, I have a Ferrari, I'm not feeling it. But if I'm saying, I'm I'm imagining now, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to go downstairs, I'm going to look at that beautiful, sleek car in my driveway And I'm going to hit that little button and hear that little chirp. I'm going to put the top down, and I'm going for a ride. I think I'll drive down to Baltimore, get some crabs. I'm going to feel the wind blowing in my hair. And as I'm driving down the highway, I'm going to see everybody looking at me saying, damn, I wish I was her. I'm going to take a ride in that Ferrari, and it's going to be so much fun. So, If I can tell myself a story like that, now that's not exactly an affirmation. That's sort of an imagination or I call it a feelingization. But if I can just put myself in a little situation where I'm doing or being the thing I want to do or be, did you feel the emotion in that rather than saying, I "I have a Ferrari? Yeah. Yeah, it was so juicy and it was so materialized and so real and Lorna I think that you just kind of freed many people who may feel like okay well a vision board doesn't work for me for me it works but because I I know how to put the feeling and the emotion and the belief and the storytelling and all of that into it but it doesn't work for everyone because we all process differently some people are are visual thinkers some people are audit you know a clear audience some people process things you know with hearing and sound some people it's feeling and we're sentient beings who process things that way and so i think that that was very freeing for you to say that well thank you i you know i hope it is and that's one thing i do tell my clients not everything works for everybody affirmations I don't think work for most people because they don't have the feeling. Uh, a lot of times they're just saying the exact same words over and over and over, and you don't want to do that. You want to live in the experience of it, you know? Each each time you do a little visualization, um, one of these two-minute experiences, you can do it differently. You know, if I had a Ferrari, I wouldn't be going the same place all the time. You know, so I'd be having different experiences. I might see myself being stopped at a light and let me see. So, okay, so I'm driving my Ferrari to the supermarket because just because I can and I stop at a light and right next to me, there's a handsome man in his own Ferrari and we look at each other (laughs) and I pull off and I go on to the supermarket and as I'm wheeling my cart around, there he is again. Now, how's that for a story? <laughs> we are loving that. All of us are like, yes, Lorna, and then what happens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, so and how all of that you feel. There. That's how it has Beautiful. to feel. Beautiful. Well, I think a really important question then, Lorna, is that I know that 
you know, many people in our community, you know, particularly people who are empathic and people who do spiritual work, have challenges with receiving, you know, with being able to, you know, like people say, ask, believe, receive. But for many of us, I know that for many years, receiving, you know, has been a challenge for me, you know, and it's something that I teach, you know, but they say that we teach what we most need to learn. Can you please speak to abundance and receiving and deservability and being able to receive your stuff? That's a really big one, and that's a really big stopping point for a lot of people. Um, People, especially Americans, it seems to be an issue with us. We don't let ourselves receive. We think it's, it's better to give than to receive. We think if we receive, we're taking something from someone else, like there's not enough to go around. Um, we we think it's selfish. But in a lot of ways, law of attraction is a selfish, in and selfish in the best sense of the word. It's a selfish teaching because you have to take care of yourself before you have anything to give to another. The other thing about receiving is if you don't allow yourself to receive because you think there's not enough for other people, then you are believing in scarcity. And if you believe in scarcity, you're going to experience and live in scarcity. Now, what I understand and what I know is that the universe expands for everyone who is asking for it. So if I get a Ferrari, that doesn't keep you from having one. You can have one too. Everyone on my block could get one if they had the consciousness of it. It's it's not taking away from anyone else. There's... um. I actually wrote an article on my blog called The Pie Theory of the Universe, and it's referring to pizza pie, not pie like in math, but there's enough for everyone. We receive according to our asking. That's the way the universe works. If I ask for one slice of pizza, I get one slice. If I ask for a whole pizza pie, I get that. And if I ask to have a pizza restaurant or a whole chain of pizza restaurants, I can have that. It's according to how much I believe I'm worthy of receiving. It's not according to how much the universe has. Because the universe is continually expanding and the universe is continually responding to our asking. That's why this is called a law. We know the universe has been expanding since the Big Bang. And the universe says yes to whatever we ask of it. So if we say, I don't have enough money to pay my bills this month, the universe says yes, and that becomes our experience. If I say, I want a whole chain of pizza restaurants with my name emblazoned on it from uh, one side of the country to the other, then the universe will say yes, and I can be a big pizza mogul. You know, we get according to our asking. So backing up again, it's a problem that a lot of people have allowing themselves to receive, and I think it's a particularly big problem in the black community because we don't want to stand out. We look around at our friends and neighbors, and they may not be allowing themselves to have very much, and we don't want to be ostentatious. We don't want to be um, in your face, sort of, with, with wealth or with prosperity or with good things. And I used to feel that way, too, and I used to be not wanting to ask for so much. But I realized I can have abundance, I can have prosperity and well-being without necessarily having anyone else know how much I have. Now, I don't drive a Ferrari. I don't really want one, but I have a decent car, you know, and I have a very decent lifestyle, and I realize nobody really knows how much I have or what I'm doing, 
And that way I don't have to feel self-conscious like I'm so much better than other people or like I'm pretending that I'm better, but I can still allow myself quiet enjoyment of the things that I want. And I want to say that to all of you. You can have prosperity. You can have abundance. You can have more than enough of everything that you need and everything that you want, and you allow that in just by believing you should have it and believing that there is enough to go around. And don't let your friends tell you differently. Don't let your friends tell you differently because your friends are living in scarcity because they're believing scarcity. So don't look at what your friends are doing and let that be your guidepost. Yes, I think that that is just so poignant, and especially what you said about, you know, certain communities. I'm a black woman, you're a black woman, and I think that, you know, all of us, everyone wants to be loved. No one wants to feel like, okay, they'll be rejected by their family or their community or whatever it is. And that causes many different people, you know, to play small in different ways. You know, a woman I was talking to was descended from her family had survived the Holocaust. And so she felt like she would somehow, on a, on a, on a subconscious level, she felt like she would be betraying her family to suddenly be wildly successful because, you know, they were humble people who were survivors and, and she didn't want to have an ostentatious lifestyle and all of these things that she believed about money, you know, that she was internalizing them and then playing them out in, in her life. And so I think that that's really, really valuable what you said, you know, the personal myths that we take into being and also the people that we surround ourselves with, our community. I, I know that you have led a Law of Attraction meetup in, in Philadelphia. Lauren is in Philadelphia for people who are in the Philly area. Um, and so that's, uh, things like that are great for people being able to have a different a different crowd and access, you know, different a new community. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the great things about the meetup is we encourage each other to want more and to create more. Um, and on a, on a personal note, I found there are some things that I want that I realized I'm not letting myself have because my grandmother, who raised me, would not have thought they were important. And, you know, these are things, every now and then there's some things that really stick for me, some things that I I just can't seem to make happen. And when I finally got that it was my belief that I had to live according to my grandmother's values, then when I faced that belief, then I could start to change it. And so lately I've been saying to myself, I loved my grandmother dearly, but I don't have to live her life. I can live my life. And I want to I want to give that to your listeners. You don't have to live your parents' life. You don't have to live your grandparents' or your ancestors' life. You can love them, honor them, respect them, and still live your own life and fulfill your own dreams. The two are not mutually exclusive. Oh, that, I know that you just, I, I feel the healing energy echoing from what you just said, Lorna, that that is so important, you know, that there are, there, there are women who have issues out earning their fathers who are even, you know, no longer on this planet, but they, they feel like, you know, that, that we've made all of these silent agreements with the people around us, you know, to, to not, you know, out earn this person or to, as you said, live their life in a way of honoring them. And, and I think that that's just so profound. Um, we're coming to the end of our conversation, but one of the things that I really wanted to touch on, and people, of course, can go deeper with your many books, and as I said, if they're in the Philly area, and even if they're not, they can work with you virtually. One of the things that you said when you were going down your list of what the law of attraction is, you said that people also have to know, they, they have to know when to ask and when not to ask, and what to do if someone else feels like they are manifesting, like, you know, hey, he got my dream job or, you know, hey, she's got the husband or whatever it is. 
So those are two different things. So when not to ask and also what to do if it feels like, wait, someone else got my stuff. Let me start with the uh, the second question. Somebody else has got my stuff. So uh, back to this Ferrari example. Um, so say I'm really trying to manifest the Ferrari. I really want it. And mine's not coming, but my neighbor suddenly shows up with a new one. And I'm pissed. I mean, that's that's the normal reaction. Like, how'd he get that when I've been working so hard for it? If I take that attitude, then number one, I'm looking at scarcity. I'm saying there's only one, and if he's got one, that means I can't get one. So we know there's no scarcity in the universe. The better attitude to take is I'm getting really close because I brought one into my proximity. I brought a Ferrari really close to me. It's not mine, but it's 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 in my world. It's one that I'll see every day when I go in and out of the house. So that means that mine is getting closer. That means the Ferrari is in my vibration. And what I want to do then is continue to see myself in it, you know, not just saying, gee, I really want one, but to feel the wind blowing through my hair and to see the way people look at me and to feel the the roar of that engine when I get in the car, you know. That's what I want to do. I just want to keep on seeing myself having it and be um, grateful to my neighbor that he created one so that I know it's possible. So I want to emphasize, you know, there's no scarcity just because he got one and maybe uh maybe your best friend got the man that you want or the, the woman that you want or whatever. There is no scarcity. The person who lights you up is still coming to you. And if your neighbor got the one that you thought you wanted, that one is not on your wavelength, even if you think he is or she is. That's not the one for you. And as long as you hold your vibration and you strengthen your vibration, yours comes. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, your other question was when not to ask. Uh, yes. There's a, <laughs> yeah. There's a story I tell in in the course, the Where's My Stuff course. I was at a party, and the conversation, as it so often does, and I hate it, but it went to people's illnesses and who had had an operation and People seem to be trying to outdo each other over, you know, how bad it was or how sick they were or, you know, how much suffering they went through. I mean, we hear these conversations endlessly. And first, I want to remind you, pay attention to what people around you are talking about and don't just take it in and accept it as reality. So I was listening to this conversation, and everybody is sicker than the other person. And I'm thinking, (laughs) you know, I'll probably get sick too. You know, everybody's sick. Everybody's my age. This seems inevitable. And, you know, it's while I was there, and I was also sort of quietly getting angry. You know, can we please just talk about something else? Can we please change the subject? And they're just going on and on and on and on. So that is not the time to try to get a hold of a a clear, clean, positive thought and and say what you want. I couldn't find, when I was in that situation, this was supposed to be a party, right? (laughs) When I was in that party, I couldn't find a thought of my perfect health while I was listening to those people. So that is not the time to ask. But when I left, when I got in my car, on my way home, I was able to say, that's their reality. I'm not choosing that reality for myself. I choose perfect health all the time. I choose to know that perfect health is my natural state of being. I choose to know that I am always in perfect health. And I choose to know that any time I look like I'm not in perfect health, I'm coming back to perfect health because perfect health is the only state I know and the only state I allow for my body. So the best time 
or the only time to really ask is when you're alone and clear-headed. You know, like when you're sitting down with that piece of paper uh, that you've made that list on, that process that I talked about earlier, and you're looking at what experience do I really want to have? Because you know best what you want to feel and experience. And you don't really want to be influenced by somebody else's experience because most of the time they're not creating their experience consciously. They're creating it unconsciously. I mean, these are people, the people at this party who have watched too much TV, you know, seen too many ads for, you know, ask your doctor if you need this pill or something. They're not creating consciously. They are in the belief that when you're a certain age, you have these things happen to you. I'm not accepting that belief, but I had to get away from them before I could hear my own voice. You see what I mean? Before I could hear the clarity of my own choice for perfect health. I may not know anybody who has perfect health at my age, um, but that doesn't mean I can't choose it for myself. I just have to be able to sort of find the feeling of it and be able to say it to myself in a way that I can believe it when I'm in a quiet space. So you want to ask when you're clear about what you want, and you don't want to ask when you're in the turmoil of someone else's emotion. Now, Lorna, would you recommend, is that also a great way to remain centered when we're living in times that feel like just so pervasively things are happening? You know, just for the listeners, uh, wherever you're listening, because we have listeners around the world, that at the time of our recording, the United States, you know, where Lorna and I live, has just gone through a series of very violent, um, violent, escapades, experiences, you know, gun violence for the past two months, you know, things that are homophobic and then racial attacks and then, you know, global bombings and all of those things that, you know, can feel like, okay, it's on the news, it's on Facebook, it's on Twitter. Are these, is is what you just spoke about, is that a good way to also remain centered when it comes to dealing with things that are around you? That's that's a really big question, and I could probably talk for a year about it. But I'll try to summarize what I think. And I, I want to say to your listeners, you may have a totally different opinion, and, and that's okay. But this is what I've come to understand uh, from studying law of attraction. Number one, law of attraction is a deeply spiritual teaching Law of Attraction says we each create our reality. There are no victims, even though it looks like there are victims. Um, Law of Attraction is also an energetic teaching, and we are energetic beings. We are not people who come here and live one lifetime. We live an infinite succession of lifetimes, we reincarnate over and over to have different experiences. So those of us who are here on the planet now and we see our loved ones, our family, our friends, our children being shot in cold blood or or dying very untimely deaths at a very young age, and we see these people as victims. But remember I said earlier, no one can influence another person's free will, even if that other person looks like a cop with a gun. So I believe that we we formulate our life experiences before we're born into this lifetime, we choose what we're going to experience, we choose how long we're going to live, we choose how we're going to die, um, and then we, you know, we carry that out, but then we do come back and do it all again. So death is not the end, even though it's the end of physicality. I believe we're each eternal beings and we 
live forever. I also believe that, and I, I had to sit with this because, as, as you just said, Abiola, there's been an incredible amount of anger and hurt and pain, and I'm feeling the pain of of the deaths of people across the country that I didn't know. I'm feeling them as if they were my brother. Um, I have to remind myself that these people have free will, and I believe they are sacrificing themselves as martyrs to bring attention to the situation. I believe they knew this would happen when they were born, when they incarnated into this life, uh, and that they chose this, and that they will come back and live long, happy, prosperous lives at another time. Um, and if anyone wants to know more about this, how I learned about this or came about this, I did a lot of research, a lot of studying. Um, I studied past life regressions. I'm also a hypnotist. People who are hypnotized to go back in time can re the choices they made before birth, and they can remember previous lives, and they remember the space between lives. So I say to anyone listening, if you doubt this, find a good, reputable hypnotist, and they can help you explore these things for yourself, and, and you can convince yourself. But I just feel honor and respect for the people who were willing to sacrifice their lives at a young age to bring our attention to 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 the ugliness in our society so that we collectively can change it. What a beautiful so. understanding. I'm here. Thank you. Thank you, Lorna. That was absolutely beautiful, beautiful understanding of what's happening. I think that, you know, this is just the first of many conversations that I'm going to be having with Lorna over different platforms. I think that, Lorna, you are a bright light on this planet, and I'm so happy that we are connected. You have a free gift for our audience. Please tell us about that gift and where they can get it. Well, I absolutely do, because I don't want to just, you know, I don't want this to be theory. It's not supposed to be theory. I want this to be usable and practical and applicable. And I want people to take this and and step into the lives that they want to be living because we're here to to fulfill ourselves, to shine our light, to step into our glory, and to to be who we really are. So I have a free report that teaches you how to do my feelingization exercise. So it's sort of a feeling and a visualizing, and it really helps you get into it. And I also go in um, into a little bit of detail of why bad things happen to good people that, you know, we were just talking about. You can find this at advancedloa.com forward slash beach, you know, like seashore, beach, with a capital B. So it's advanced LOA, like advanced law of attraction, but it's advancedloa.com forward slash capital B-E-A-C-H. And you will see a page with a beach. That's how you'll know you're on the right page because I love the seashore. And just uh, enter your email, click on the link, and you will have the most effective law of attraction process that I know. So I hope you download it, and I hope you are uh, exceptionally successful in creating the life you want. If you'd like personal help, you can get in touch with me at Lorna at advancedloa.com. And I do work one-on-one -on -one with people. I have group programs coming up. I have the Where's My Stuff course that's going to launch in about a week. Uh, the course is all done. I'm just getting the, the uh, page up. And uh, I have lots of ways to help you because I realized as I was doing my meetup 
for eight years in Philadelphia, there are many, many, many more people who are hungry for for understanding who they are and knowing their power. So I want to give you your power back, and that's my gift to you. So it's yeah. at advanced, <laughs> advancedloa.com forward slash capital B E A C H forward slash beach. Okay. Wonderful, Lorna. Thank you so much for this conversation. Again, you can get Lorna's gift at advancedloa.com slash beach, and I am going to post a link to that program, to that free gift, along with a link to Lorna's program, which by the time you're listening to this, her program, Where's My Stuff, is already out. And she has five books that are, she's written seven books about the law of attraction, but five of them are on Kindle, and all of that will be at sacredbombshell.com slash Lorna. I'll put links to everything so that you can get in touch with Lorna and be a part of the Lorna universe and that you can then get, learn how to get your stuff and take a quantum leap for yourself. Thank you so much, Lorna, for this beautiful conversation. I appreciate you. Abiola, this has been so much fun. I love talking with you and I'm just so happy to connect with your audience. If anyone wants to connect with me, just email me and tell me your experiences with all of this or ask me your questions. I'm open and available. Absolutely. And for our wonderful listeners, if no one has told you today, I love you, love you, love you. Dream bigger, love yourself, and I will see you in the next conversation. Bye.